This conversation is being recorded. All right. Well, welcome to Cut to the Chase. This is Sean Donovan, and here I have my partner, Francisco Marrero. Hi. So, all right, let's talk some college football right now. Yeah, uh, so uh, yesterday we had the Notre Dame-Alabama game, the Rose Bowl game. Um, I think that heading into that game, I felt that um, Alabama definitely um, was going to come at Notre Dame, you know, full force. The, you know, they have uh, the college football player of the year, Devontae Smith, who I think is definitely going to be hands down the Heisman Trophy winner, Sean. I mean, you look at the guy's numbers, 17 total touchdowns. You know, he had over 1,000, you know, yards catching-wise, and they're just all around, they're just phenomenal. I mean, you look at it, they, they, they should be the wide receiver and running back factory. I mean, you have a guy like Najee Harris, you have a guy, Devontae Smith, that wide receiver. They've developed guys such as, like, Mark Ingram in years past, Bo Scarborough. You had Calvin Ridley. I, I just want to talk about kid Devontae Smith, though. I mean, like, he's the real deal. I'm not even kidding. I A lot of uh, analysts right now are comparing him to be, like, DK Metcalf. I think that the size and his athletic ability is very comparable to that. Um, but, my God, this kid can make plays. You know, you just throw up a throw-up ball to him, and, you know, he'll, he'll – it's – it's. I would say it's uh, around, like, a 90% catch ratio. Yeah. Oh, with, with, without a doubt, Sean. I mean, the, the, guy is, the guy is so athletic, and even if you throw it and it's not remotely there, the guy's going to find a way to, get, to catch the ball because his speed is just it's, – it's insane. I mean, uh, you know, with Notre Dame going to that game, I, I thought – and I know that I could be a little biased because I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I really thought that their defense was going to show up and actually do a good job and – and you know, lock down, uh, not you know, knock down Mac Jones quite a bit because he's a guy that he's very talented. Don't get me wrong. When you go to Alabama, obviously you're one of the best, of the best because Nick Saban's not going to recruit any type of uh, any type of scrub. You know what I'm saying? So uh, he's a great pocket passer. But the thing what Notre Dame needed to do was, and they they failed to do was to get him out of the pocket and make him scramble because Mac Jones, although you know the guy can run a little bit. If you watch, the guy doesn't really have that much speed. He's more of just like, you know, accuracy and uh, arm strength kind of guy. He's not really mobile. But going into that, you know, I thought that the offensive line of Notre Dame was going to be pretty solid because they have a stout offensive line. I mean, those guys are huge. For and sure. they were the best the best uh, offensive line in the country. And, you know, Ian Book, listen, he's – he yeah, he was the – most all-time wins leader in Notre Dame history. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the guy makes his plays when he scrambles around in the pocket, out of the pocket, and he makes his own plays. And, you know, he has weapons, but they're not, they're not, you know, extremely talented to the point of where Alabama is. I agree. I, I think Alabama had way too many weapons where, you know, where Notre Dame, you know, I hate to say it. I, I, I was hoping that Notre Dame was going to give him a, a, more of a, a fighting chance, I guess you would say. But uh, I think Notre Dame's offense was not to par to, uh, against Alabama's defense. And I put Notre Dame's defense in a pinch because they're constantly on the field. And Alabama, they're just going to play that smash-mouth football, and they're just going to keep running it and running it and running it. And just Notre Dame couldn't catch up. It, they got tired, especially towards the end of the game, and you saw that with a lot of the players. So, you know, with that being said, I just – you know, Brian Kelly needs to figure out his his offense. I mean, he has a great offensive line, which allows the run game to be very strong. However, though, I mean, I don't think that Notre Dame's wide receiver core or even I would say their quarterback is, you know, to the point where they can really compete in a college football championship game. He's not, he's not elite. If you look at it, Ian Book, he's good, but he's not elite. I mean, you look in years past, they showed yesterday when I was watching it, Notre Dame's 0-6 in those big games. You know, it's everybody says, oh, no, they're not good. And they're good during the regular season, right? right? But when it comes time to when it matters most, they don't show up. I mean, yeah, they give effort, but they don't show up. So with that being said, um, watching the game yesterday, the, uh, the, the, I believe it was uh, Notre Dame – 
uh, got the ball first and um, they got the first drive. I remember, you know, I'm like, okay, they're probably going to set the tone. They'll, they'll hand the ball off to Kyron Williams, who is there. He's a, he's a redshirt sophomore. He only played four games as a freshman last year, but the guy is going to be elite. I mean, just the way that he runs and just the size of him. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. And Notre Dame's always been known to have pretty good running backs. Yeah. But um, I think this kid's going to be special. I think other running backs we've seen in the past, they were really good. They went to the NFL, but they didn't really, they didn't really, you know, get to the top notch type of level of eliteness. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, with that being said, you know, Notre Dame gets one first down and then from there they punt the ball. And then from there, you know, Matt Jones gets the ball and, you know, they, they, they bring the ball down and they actually, it took them, um, it took them, uh, it, it took them uh, seven plays and 79 yards in a span of two minutes and 38 seconds. Right. I, mean, it just, um, it, I think Notre Dame would just outmatch. Um, oh, without a doubt. I think their, their only challenging team was Clemson. Uh, in, the, in the regular season, and obviously oh, that you can't you can't you can't dismiss North Carolina. No, I mean you can't. I think North Carolina, though, um, I think they're a good team. But I also think Clemson. I mean, Clemson's a great team. Don't get me wrong. All right, I do also have my um, my opinions about Clemson, and I think that uh, I think a lot of things on Clemson is masking Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is, in my opinion, I think he's a good quarterback. Do I think he's an incredible quarterback? No, because you can put any quarterback in their system and they'll still be successful. You know, I'm just, you know, that's just simple. Their offensive line is great. They have a a top tier running back that's definitely going to be drafted top five overall, in my opinion. Uh, they have an incredible defense. I mean, like that team is already, they have the foundation to be successful no matter who you put in as quarterback. Yeah. Um, let's, so let's not let's not get too carried away. We'll talk about that Clemson game next. Let's kind of just go through more of that Notre Dame game. So the first uh, the first uh, drive it was a touchdown pass to uh, Devontae Smith. Um, now I don't know if you saw that, Sean, but um, there was it was more of like a you know a direct snap and then uh, then a throw right right to him. He just and then he was just running through uh, the defense, but it was impressive. Like I was saying before about his speed, Devonte Smith, he's got elite speed. It was like tiptoeing on a tightrope, And, but, but in the sense of, he was like still like full speed going through. I just thought it was impressive. The fact that he stayed in bounds and they go to show this replay and they're like, Oh, I think, you know, Devonte Smith stepped out of bounds. Well, you look at the replay, he was nowhere near. It's just, yeah. it's just incredible because the thing is, Sean, you can't teach, you can teach, uh, you know, footwork, but, you can't, you know, go into the person's body and make them do that. That's just pure talent right there. I 100% agree. You just, he has such great uh, core strength and able, like, ability to maneuver his body. And, again, like you, like you said, you can't teach something like that. And that's why I think, you know, he is a man amongst boys in college right now. And that's why I'm saying, like, and I think he's going to be uh, – has a very successful career in the NFL. Um, Without a doubt. And, you know, this kid has basically anything in front of him that he can do as far yeah. as wide receiver. Yeah, so then the, uh, the, next, the next drive, um, I, believe, I believe Notre Dame had punted, all right? So uh, the next drive, uh, there's 624 left in the first, and then uh, Najee Harris gets the ball handed to him, and he rushes for 15 yards. This guy, um, I mean, they were saying last year, you know, he was good, but he wasn't elite. But I think that um, the way how all these guys are built, you look at these guys from Alabama, and it's just, it's just insane the amount of muscle mass they put on them. And like you were alluding to before, these are, guys, these are men against boys in, in Alabama. So when you're going to Alabama, you're, get, you're getting guys that are already, you know, they're mature young men physically, but obviously, you know, that, that character and that, uh, maturity level obviously needs to be developed because that's what happens when you're a grown man in college, you know, you're immature. Um, and, um, but anyway, it's just insane. And then from there, Matt Jones started using, not only did he have the weapon of Devonte Smith, but 
He also they also incorporated Najee Harris, Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator, by the way, who um, he got him involved through the uh, passing game, and that just made them so much more dangerous because now even though Notre Dame and and I was watching too, you could see that Sean that they were going to be running the ball. Notre Dame knew it was coming. You just can't stop it. I mean, there was a play where where Najee Harris, the ball got handed off to him. And I don't know if you saw it, but it was like near the sidelines. And he hurtled the one uh, defensive back in Notre Dame. Did you see that? That was incredible. Actually incredible. Again, these are things that you you have to have incredible vision for. You know what I mean? Again, like what you were saying, like you can't teach these, these, you know, these attributes to a player, you know, like being able to – read the defenseman and also read how he's going to tackle you as you hurdle. I mean, like one, he has incredible agility. He has incredible body control, great vision to be able to do that. And like, you just, again, you got to react like this because, because the guy, the guy's like, literally he's a speed of a cheetah. As I described in my blog, by the way, I described him as a cheetah. And also when you go near him, he's like a bull, he'll like barrel, uh, barrel over you and um, not to get off topic but one thing that reminds me of Najee Harris for like an NFL comparison because he's going to go in the draft this year Najee Harris without a doubt oh. he, he's a really good comp to like a Derrick Henry I was just about to say that also Alabama he, well here's the funny part though I think he yeah. has the physique like Derrick Henry but I also yeah. think he's faster than Derrick Henry like you were saying like he's a cheetah yeah it's like Tyreek Hill yeah. merging with Derrick Henry performing yeah. like that's a scary player uh, that's that's unstoppable i don't care what i don't care if you tell the person what plays coming with them you're not going to stop it because they can't match that athleticism and that speed and that strength and the fact that you know your body you got to make an instant decision like that you know that's that's tough to do because you know these guys are just phenomenal freak athletes but anyway um getting back to it that drive resulted in a passing touchdown by Mac Jones to uh, Jaleel uh, Billingsley. So on that drive, I remember, and it was smart because uh, Steve Sarkeesian kind of used Devontae Smith as a decoy. And when they were, uh, when they were in the red zone, uh, there were two guys trying to cover Devontae Smith. And the one guy peeled out and then end zone, easy touchdown pass, flick of the wrist, Mac Jones puts it right in there. And uh, then before you know it, you know, Notre Dame's down. 14 nothing, and then at then, Sean, I mean, you could probably sense, hey, this, this game could get out of hand pretty quickly. Right. Well, without a doubt. I mean, when you had your first two drives, like, with quick touchdowns, too, it, like, it already shows the true colors of Notre Dame's defense. And they just didn't – they were not prepared for it. You know, I don't care how – defense. I don't care what coach you put in there. It just they, – they just didn't have the talent to stop – this Alabama team, you know, like I keep saying, like this Alabama team is a men amongst boys. I don't care how you draw it up. I, I truly believe that if you put Alabama in the NFL, I guarantee you they will, they, they will compete. And they're equivalent, they're equivalent to the New England Patriots. I mean, Patriots had an off year that you're not getting off topic, but they're equivalent to the players that they have to like a team as such as right. the Patriots. But, and, and, yeah. but here's the thing, though. Like, they're just as successful as the Patriots, you know, with the oh, yeah. championship oh, yeah. over and over and over. And here, like, I, I would say, like, the closest team, not this season, but in seasons in the past, would be, like, LSU. LSU's always been back and forth with Alabama constantly. And th- that's another team, though, that is able to recruit kids that are, you know, they're, they're NFL-ready already at the college level. And right. – you know, again, they're men, and you know, they're where a lot of other college programs. They're like, okay, well, we're going to draft these kids. I mean, they're a five-star athlete, but they need development, and yeah. they are still in that developing stage with their body, mentality, and everything. And you know, it takes yeah. them a couple of years, and then that's when you see like Georgia. You know, like, oh my God, like where where did Georgia come from? You know, the season in the past, they were you know, in the, in the top 25, and now they're in the top five. And, like, you know, it's like, where did this come from? And it's just because, you know, they, they had to wait and wait and wait to develop these players, whereas Alabama, 
they, every every season, it's just like – Well, they're, they're already developed, Sean. It's just the fact that once Nick Saban gets his hand on them and Nick Saban's staff, you know, that guy's a mastermind recruiter. And those guys who are there, you know, Saban, as you know, you know, he's, he's under the Bill Belichick tree and we all know how good he is. But, um, you know, once you go to Alabama, you're already developed. It's just the fact of making sure you're a polished uh, – I'm, tr- I'm going to use the analogy of like a car, right? So you get a really nice car, right? Well, you want to polish up so it looks even nicer and stays that way. So just repetition and whatnot with those guys and just honing in on, okay, what's the weakness? And it might not even be a weakness. It might just be like a, a misstep behind of where you want to be or where you're expected to be. And right. then they, they, they help you get through that finish line. And then, you know, they have 33 guys, Alabama. Right? I looked it up the other day. 33 uh, first-round draft choices. It's crazy. For Nick Saban. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. And it's I'm at a loss of words for it. I think the best word just say it's just incredible. Right. But um, get, getting back to the game. So then uh, from there, uh, it's 14, it's 14, nothing. Right. So then uh, Notre Dame uh, next drive, 15 plays, uh, 75 yards, took them eight minutes and three seconds to get down the field ends up resulting in a, uh, in a, um, in a one yard run, uh, for uh, Kyron Williams, so the, then that then it puts the lead to fourteen seven. Then uh, Alabama gets the ball, and Mac Jones once again, who does he throw a touchdown to? Nobody other than uh, Devonte Smith. You know, right. so Mac Jones already has you know three touchdowns, and he's making it look effortless. It looks like you know he's out there playing football against you know thirteen year old kids. You know, just it's just it's just insane because. You know, they have great they have great coaches and they just have guys that execute. And like I was saying to you before, I mean, I, I probably didn't allude to it before, but when you play Alabama, Sean, you know you have to play a perfect game. You make one small mistake, and and you're exploited, dude. Right. And and here's the thing too. Um, you know, back to that drive where Notre Dame ended up scoring. There's like, oh my god, all right, take a deep breath at that point. Notre Dame, all right, we just we just we just answered back. But then when you – once you give the ball up or whatever, and then Alabama just comes marching down the field, you know, as quick as they did. You know, it's like you, you basically just took all the wind out of the sail. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, yeah. uh, now you're just like, crap. Like, and it, at that point, that that play, I would say, put way, uh, a lot more pressure on Notre Dame's offense. Oh, without a doubt. And you know you saw the you you could feel the the energy in that offensive you know that team yeah and they just they just they were off they were really oh, yeah off. and you know they you can see that they're like okay well I got we got to try to make more plays we got to do this this yeah. and this and losing this and losing insight of just staying focused on what they needed to do and you yeah. I saw them getting exposed majorly yeah. And, and, Sean, just to keep you in mind, uh, like you were saying before, they did go down the field quickly. Sean, it took them two minutes and 27 seconds to get down the field for six plays and 84 yards. So, I mean, that's, 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 that's absolutely impressive. It, it is. I don't care who you're playing. I mean, other than, you know, maybe if you're playing, you know, a team that is like a Division two or Division three team, I don't care what Division one school that is. It's impressive. Right. You know, so, so, I mean, yeah. So, and then from there, um, uh, Notre Dame ends up throwing, uh, I believe Ian book there. I believe he threw a, uh, no, they punted. Sorry. Uh, excuse me. So they punted Notre Dame punted Alabama, um, got the ball. They punted, uh, Notre Dame had a chance at a, I think it was a 51 yard field goal by their senior kicker, uh, Jonathan door. And he's, He's been pretty good for them throughout this year. I've been following them through this year, and uh, he missed it. And then, um, then it was halftime. So at that point, it's twenty-one-seven, and you're kind of thinking, okay, um, you know, they kind of have it in the bag. And um, you know, just then you're thinking, okay, how much more points is Nick Saban's Alabama offense going to score? And um, I'll tell you what, I when I, when the second half started, 
uh, actually, you, you, you go ahead. I want your thoughts on that at like halftime. Well, at halftime, if I was, you know, Brian Kelly, I would be like, okay, listen, guys, we need to stop the bleeding immediately. We need to, our defense, we need to focus up. We need to really just contain that offense. Um, I think that what they would, what they were going to be doing was um, basically having man on, uh, especially with Smith, and then having a a uh, safety looking over the top, and yeah. basically double covering him, which is going to leave Notre Dame's uh, defense a little exposed because obviously you're 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 taking away a defenseman to to basically assist your other defenseman. Um, however, though, I I just didn't think that no matter how you drew it up for Notre Dame, they were going to struggle no matter what. I think, though, uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of saw in the second half, though, they, they, there were some really good play calls, and then yeah. there was just poor execution with Notre Dame's uh, Well, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, Sean. To be honest with you, I'm watching the game, right? And, you know, certain plays – not, not. I don't want to say predictable, Sean, but I want to say that I felt Tommy Reese's offense. By the way, Tommy Reese also was a quarterback at Notre Dame a couple of years ago, so he's only a couple of years older than Ian Book, so it's pretty crazy how he's uh, OC. But um, some of their plays, it was just like I didn't like it at all. You know, they they go ahead and you know they do a they have they have a snap and then it's a delayed handoff to Kyron Williams. Well, there was one play where it's a delayed handoff to Kyron Williams, and they're, you know, coming in, crashing in the Alabama, you know, defensive four. And due to Kyron Williams' athletic ability, he was elusive and got away and actually managed to get, you know, six yards or so. But when I saw that, man, I was like, dude, this guy's going to get trucked and he's going to lose about at least four or five yards on that play. And, and like, what you were, like what you were saying, though, is like with his plays being predictable – there was a, a few plays, though, that Notre Dame ran that was, were play-action plays. Yeah. And the middle of the field was wide open. Oh, yeah. I would say like 80% of the time it was wide open, too. And the problem was you know, there was they so much pressure on book. Right. And, they, I mean, they ran a couple of plays, though, with, you know, with a, um, with a slot receiver going across the middle. And, and it, it, they hit it pretty well. But it was just like, it was, again, it was – the play calls were very consistent. Um, yeah, but then, but then again, like some of these wide receiver wide receivers for Notre Dame, they drop some big big plays. You know, there there, oh, yeah. was, there was a few plays where you know, yeah. hey, if they caught that, we don't know where the drive would have went to. But but no, they absolutely right. And, and then again, uh, every single time that they that Notre Dame had some type of momentum, it like they went t- uh, five steps forward and then they went six steps back every single time, and it it, it really hurt, and you really saw it. Yeah. Um, I think, too, the other thing, too, was, and I was watching it, and, um, you know, I've heard more and more of this guy, and I just think he's so impressive. And, you know, I didn't know much of him because, you know, you only watch certain, you know, there's certain games that you watch, and there's a lot of college football games on, but, my God, the uh, just the talent uh, of Patrick Sertan, he's a uh, cornerback for Alabama. So he, he, was, he was covering – you know, either Ben Skoranek, who's a graduate transfer from Northwestern, who was one of Ian Book's favorite targets this year, and, you know, or Javon McKinley, or probably two, he's probably covering a freshman phenom, Michael Meyer. He's a tight end. Uh, they call him Baby Gronk. And um, so, but Notre Dame did not want to throw anywhere near him, and I don't blame him because that guy, I'm telling you, I haven't seen that much of him, but just seeing him from playing yesterday and just from uh, from just hearing all the other things, that guy is going to be a top five draft pick without a doubt. Oh, so, sure. I mean, them. The other thing too is with their with their cornerbacks, Alabama. You know, he's great. They had that guy. Uh, uh, what is it Dre Fitzpatrick or something like that? He's a Jersey right. guy's, uh, and um, it was just incredible. But um, getting back to it, so then it's uh, so then it's. 20, uh, it ends up going to be 28-7 uh, after uh, Ian Book throws a interception. Um, I'm not sure exactly who picked it off for Alabama, but Ian Book was running in the pocket and his off-balance throw, and, you know, just looking at it, it was bad. I mean, he was underthrown. It was nowhere near um, the target. Right. So then uh, Alabama takes over. Uh, 
Jones completed the pass to a wide receiver for, for 40 yards. Then, uh, then he finds uh, Najee Harris for a 10-yard reception, and the play ends up uh, another touchdown to who else? Devontae Smith, who is definitely going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, I, I saw the other day he, he'll be the first if he wins, which I think he will. If I if I would put money on it that he would, and you know how you know me, I wouldn't really bet on on any bets there. But uh, <laughs> he uh, he would be the first wide receiver uh, since 1991 to win the Heisman Trophy. That's that's impressive. Oh, uh, and, and yeah. Heisman they they like their quarterbacks. I tell you that. <laughs> oh, they're, they're it's biased when it comes to quarterback and running backs, right? Throughout the years, I, it's you know? it's like a no brainer. Oh, all right, here's the next quarterback. He's gonna win the Heisman, and there's the next running back that's gonna win the Heisman. Exactly, and and I and uh, going through it, the uh, the finalists were Jones, uh, or or is sorry, is Jones because years past when it's not pandemic year, you know, you already know the first weekend of December, I believe, yeah, first weekend of December of who wins the Heisman. So this year it's between uh, Mac Jones, Devonte 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 Adams, Green Bay Packers, Devonte Smith, um, Kyle Trask, and then Trevor Lawrence, and then Najee Harris was actually fifth. But anyway, so he scores. So it's 28-7 Alabama. Notre Dame punts Alabama, then gets a field goal. And um, that pretty much was the end of the game there. But, Sean, I'll tell you what. I was looking at time of possession, and Notre Dame had a time of possession. They, le- they led in time of possession, right? But they, I think it was 33 minutes, like over 33 minutes or so, Alabama had the ball for 26 minutes. So, I mean – the thing is, you think, okay, that's a good thing, but when when you can't get going down the field, I don't care if you have 100 minutes of possession. You can't move that ball. You're not winning the game. And Notre Dame, they really, I mean, they really blew it because, you know, think coming into this, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but I thought they would at least put up a better fight, you know. I agree. I think um, back to time possession, though, I mean, Alabama was uh, – the reason why they didn't have time of possession – well, not as much time of possession as Notre Dame had because they were, they were marching down the field so easily. Yeah. And constantly, every almost every drive, I was like, oh, well, there's Alabama going dri- driving down the field. And, you know, it, it again, like, that's that's why Notre Dame had so, so much time of possession is because their, con- their offense was constantly on the field. Yeah. And they had they 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 what they averaged like close to like I would say like nine to fifteen play drives the entire time and they held the ball along, but they weren't doing anything. They were exactly. going all right, five yards here, six two yards, yards back, two yeah. yards back. Whereas Alabama, in six plays they already had eighty five yards. You know that that's the difference between two programs right there. In, in, oh yeah, in, you know so, but. It's just it's just eye opening though, like how you know uh, Notre Dame was ranked number four, but how different Alabama ranked number one is compared to the number four team yeah. in, in, in yeah. America. Yeah, well, I I think the other thing too is like you said earlier, you know, men men amongst boys, and I think that you know I know it's you know we're constantly repeating say it, but it just it's just the truth. I mean, you look at it. Uh, you know, as far as depth goes, Alabama has so much depth because everybody wants to go there because right. pretty much every year, Sean, you're competing for a national championship. Who doesn't want to compete for a national championship? You're not going to be right. a college athlete and going to school and be like, oh, I want to go to, you know, University of uh, Toledo. You know, right. why would you want to go there? If you can win, go somewhere where you're going to win. You're an athlete. Athletes want to win, and that's why they go to Alabama. And, and here's this thing, too. You know – Okay, uh, I'm gonna go to Alabama. I'm I know I might have a junior in front of me, but they're not gonna be there by the time that I'm gonna be the star. You know, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be taking the footsteps of this person because they're gonna get drafted, and they know that that person's gonna get drafted. You're being you're essentially the they're essentially mentoring you so that way when you get to become an upperclassman, you already have and hone in on the skills that they had that they taught you day to day in practice in spring games, in walkthroughs, you know. So by the time that you go into the game, it's like second nature, man. It's like riding a bike because you're instilled with it day one of what your expectations are. And that's why they're so prepared because not only physically with, you know, okay, you go to the weight room, 
you know, you make sure you get, you know, this, you know, make sure you get plenty of rest that way you're mentally and physically ready for the, for the game, you know, or, or the day of practice or whatever it is. Right. And um, the other thing too, is, you know, they constantly focus in on the mental because if you, once you have that, all you have to do is go out and do it. Right. So, um, but and anyway, also the, the Alabama's defense has ton of preparation. I mean, like, look at the oh, yeah. like, when you're going through your walkthroughs and your, you know your team practices, and you have defensive players having to cover uh, Devonte Smith. I mean, like that is that is so crucial to Alabama's defense. Let alone because you know they're not going to be facing a wide receiver. You know, like his caliber. You know, I mean, if you're going to get you know if you wide receivers here and there but I mean like they're constantly facing the best wide receiver in college football over and over and over and over I mean obviously Alabama's defense is gonna be you know pretty good you know oh, I mean? yeah repetition right and you know it's it's again like what you were saying it's second nature when they're coming up against other teams because their their preparation work is just it's no none like any other program Exactly, exactly, because Nick Saban's been there and done that, and he's a winner. So uh, even though I didn't like the fact that and – I'll, and I'll end on this before we get into the next game, but uh, I was annoyed at the fact of the unsportsmanlike nature and, and the way he acted, Nick Saban, because you're up by 21 points and you're still throwing the football. I think that's very unsportsmanlike. Listen, I get it. You want to win, and I get that, but you're successful running the ball. Why don't you just ground and pound and run the ball? You're up by 21. And then um, I also saw, too, that uh, Nick Saban got uh, got a unsportsmanlike flag thrown at him because he got onto the field and said a couple of words that uh, – I mean, I don't know what he said, but I don't think he it's appropriate moment, to be saying on this program. So. It's the heat of the moment. He has to, he's, he's defending his, his boys. You know, he's, he's going to do anything that he can to, you know, uh, show that, hey, listen – I am, I am fighting for my team. You know, that's, yeah. that's just Nick Saban though. You know, I, I don't have a coach do that for you. I, then I'm like, okay, well, you know what? He doesn't have my back. Yeah. No, I get that. Uh, it, makes, it makes sense. I get what you're saying. But to me, I just feel like it kind of just sets a little bit of bad example and just kind of makes you look bad. But I hear you. It, it happens. I mean, you're, you're a head coach. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to be happy and, and not say a couple of things that you shouldn't say at some point. So I, I get that. You valid point there. Good, good, Sean. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so next we're going to uh, jump into the Clemson uh, Ohio state game. And um, I'll tell you what, Whew. Sean, going into this, going into this, man, I, I thought that it was going to be somewhat similar to last year. I thought it was going to be, I thought it still was going to be high scoring, but not, not to the extent of what it was yesterday. Because you look at it, last year, um, Ohio State had Chase Young constantly, like almost every play seemed like he was going to sack somebody. And then you had Isaiah Simmons, who is a very versatile defensive back. But anyway, let's not talk about last year. This year is what matters most. But um, I thought going into it, I thought Trevor Lawrence was going to have one heck of a game. I agree. Um, I thought that Travis Etienne was going to play great. And I thought that even though Clemson's defense, isn't as good as years past the championship teams that they had. I thought they were going to able to, to you know, slow down, uh, slow down uh, Justin Fields. And I honestly didn't think Justin Fields was going to play that great because uh, you look how he played in the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern, right? right. He ended up going, I believe he was 13 of, uh, he, no, he was 12 of uh, 27. Threw for 114 yards, had, uh, I think, I don't know if he had – I don't even think he had a single touchdown. I think he threw two picks. So, you look at that. I mean, Northwestern's gotten better. But to not go – to not uh, go far back and stay on task here, um, he, he, didn't ha- he didn't have a good game. And, and a Northwestern team is nowhere near the caliber of a Clemson football team. And I was just really shocked at that. And to be honest with you, a lot of people uh, thought that – Ohio State didn't even deserve to be there due to the fact that they only play six games, right? And because they're Ohio State, that they got the recognition for that, whereas a team like Cincinnati, who was undefeated and was at eight, didn't get in. But anyway, to, to not get off track here. No, um, and I agree to that, though, to an extent. I mean, Ohio State still had, you know, 
the talent that they do. You know, it, yeah. it, I mean, again, people always say it, it's Ohio State. However, though, Ohio State has the – they have the uh, – they represent the program. I don't know how I'm trying to say this. Um, it, again, it's Ohio State, though. I mean, like, these players yeah. are still they're, – they're great players. I mean, you know, they're one of the best conferences in, in, in all college football. Um, yeah, did they only play six games? Yeah, they did. But the, here's the thing, though. With them beating Clemson like that, it just proves to show you, hey, this, this is Ohio State. They deserve to be here. Now, does it suck for Cincinnati, who went undefeated? Yeah, it does. But again, you know, let's let's compare let's compare the schools. You know, let's look at Cincinnati. I mean, like, you know, it's 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 their schedule is not comparable to Ohio State. They're, it's not comparable. No, you're right. Comparable to let's let's even put it this way. I mean, Oregon. Oregon just lost today. They, 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 they looked awful, but they're another school that only played six games, you know, and, and, but, but those two losses were critical losses and that's why they're ranked top, yeah. they're 25 and everything. But back to Ohio state yeah. though, you know, I think Ohio state though had, um, they had a lot of returning players from, in the, from the previous, uh, from previous season. And they yeah. were going to re- repeat basically what they were going to be doing last year. And I think that's what helped them get the ranking that they did, and yeah. allowed them to compete in the college, uh, in college football playoffs. Yeah, you know what the thing is? I think that it, there was a mixture of things, right? So first, I mean, I'm not disputing the fact of saying that he got it handed to him, but uh, before Ryan Day took over, a lot of those guys that are probably playing, right? They're probably under uh, from being recruited from Urban Meyer. And right. then when Urban Meyer stepped down due to his health issues, Ryan Day took over. Now, Ryan Day did a really good job last year. Very impressed with it. But I, I felt also, too, it was, it was a mix of both last year. They just weren't executing when they needed to mm-hmm. uh, in crunch time. And the other thing, too, is um, I think that it was a little bit of inexperience on the fact of Ryan Day. And that's not his fault. It was just his first year. So I get that. But right. I think this year – he kind of had a better understanding of how to game plan Clemson and just having more of that experience and just having another year of Justin Fields develop, who's had a great year. Um, I think that, you know, they were really, you know, uh, they had a sour taste in their mouth. And I think that they went out and they just balled out, you know? Right. Right. No, I, I absolutely agree. And, and that team played with heart. You know, they, they yeah. really did. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, um, especially with like, going against a team at like Clemson, Ohio State had to go right out of the gate right from the beginning. They had, they had to really punch it they had, they, and, and really prove a point. And, it, yeah. you know, they, they ended up doing that. And it really – you saw like Clemson, a, Clemson got the – sorry. Clemson got the ball first. So, actually, Clemson well, actually right. scored first. So, they got off to a hot start. But then, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I – no, you're fine, dude. You're fine. It's it's cool. It's it's cool. Um, but then you just saw you, you just saw the, the momentum switch. Ohio yeah. State ended up oh, yeah. taking over. Um, but I was a little disappointed in Trevor Lawrence. I mean, what's your what what's your thought about that? I I thought he was going to have a better game than he did. I thought so too, and I think that the overall game kind of took me away of his individual performance because. You know, you you would have thought that he would have won because he's Trevor Lawrence, man. He he doesn't lose. You know, his freshman year he wins the national championship. Last year, as his, uh, or I'm sorry, um, his freshman year he won a national championship. Yes. All right. So I think he won. Was it one year or two years that he won national championship? I thought it was. I, I thought it was just. I, I think it was only one. One second. Let me see. Let's see. Oh, so yes, I'm sorry. He, I was right. He did have, he did win two national championships. It, it was back to back, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. You were right. Yeah. 
Uh, well, you know, I had to, I had to Google. I'm not always right. Yeah, you always had to fact um, check, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, I think that, like I was saying before, I think the overall performance of the team kind of, I felt like overshadowed in a way because I'm like looking, I was like, you know what? I was like, Trevor Lawrence didn't play that well. But then you look at the numbers, Sean. He went uh, 33 of 48 completion. He threw for 400 yards and he threw uh, two touchdowns and had uh, one interception. But I think the thing was that overshadowed it for both of us and probably both of what we were thinking were just the fact that due to the lackluster defense of Clemson kind of overshadowed Trevor Lawrence's final game as a college football player. No, you're right. I mean, I mean, the, the man did over, throw over 400 yards. Um, yeah. Like, like you, you, I, I just wish, like, I, I, I would like to see a little bit more playmaking, I think, in my yeah. opinion. Um, I agree. And try to put a little bit more pressure on Ohio State's defense. Um, yeah. Now, could that be – is that all Trevor Lawrence's fault? No, it's not. It, it's a mixture between, you know, the play calls and, you know, yeah. and the execution of, you know, the player itself. Um, but I, I just – I mean, like, it is impressive to, to watch a, a player like Trevor Lawrence still throw 400-plus yards in, in his final game, especially, again, again against Ohio State. It's just, definitely a treat seeing a player play like that. Right. Um, but what I want to add to is, and what I just thought of, because I want to ask you this, because I did see it the other day on ESPN, but um, their offensive coordinator, I think it was Tony Powell, um, he tested positive for coronavirus. So he wasn't able to go to the national championship game. Now, let me ask you this, because I've, I've debated it all day. Do you think that uh, the effect of not having your offensive coordinator there, do you think that affected Trevor Lawrence, if any at all? Um, I think that uh, it affected the fact that uh, if things were going wrong, he didn't have his coach or, like, his main collaborator on his side to at least, one, calm down, um, two, let's, let's game plan here. Because those, those two are constantly in the office all the time. Okay, what do we oh, need yeah. to do here? What do we need to do there? what adjustments can we do here? You know what I mean? Whereas like he didn't have that. So yeah, do I no. think it, it did affect with 100% without a doubt. Um, I also think that it could have affected the entire offense though as a whole. I mean, yeah. the, it's not just Trevor Lawrence though. I, I you know, the wide receiver no. to the running back to, to even the offensive lineman. I mean, like, I think that, uh, you know, having your main, you know, your main guy not yeah. being there to just like, Hey, like, listen, you guys are doing X, Y, and Z wrong. We need you to do this. Not like that, uh, you know, Sweeney's not doing that or anything, but Sweeney's also looking at the game as a whole, not necessarily oh, yeah, of course. focusing on my offense, you know? Yeah, he, he can't, he's got to focus up the whole picture. He can't just focus on half of it, you know what I'm saying? Even though he has those coordinators there for him. Right. But the other thing that I wanted to ask you too is though, because I, I do get where you're coming from and I do agree with you to extent, but I feel like, I feel I feel like I agree with both sides of this, but even a guy as, as let me ask you this, Sean, even a guy with the caliber of talent that Trevor Lawrence has, don't you think that that shouldn't matter, that he should still go out and perform and play great because he is a great player? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I do. I, I do think that uh, Trevor Lawrence – but, like, again, like you were saying, statistically, I mean, he wasn't really playing that bad. No. No, right? Um. He was still he, – he was making plays. I think, though, towards the – like, when it, got, when, when it got to the point where it was like, okay, well, we need to punch this one in. I think not having your, your, your coach that knows your offense better than anybody on the field, not yeah. there, hurt them and put them in a dis, disadvantage because, you know, they weren't – maybe they weren't calling the right plays. Maybe they weren't doing the right things um, as far as – uh, execution-wise, so that you know, it, it put Clemson in a, in a more of a jam. Yeah. At that point. Um, yeah. Do I think that Trevor Lawrence could um, could have been like, okay, let's I'm gonna be a coach on the field. Like, let's put like for example, Tom Brady. All right. Yeah. He he. They have plays that are called up, but if you notice things. 
him, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. They always are. You, are you are you saying that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback? No, what I'm saying though is like he he has the potential of being that. But what I'm saying is, is those guys they they're able to do that stuff with experience. They can read oh, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, read the defenses, read which person's lined up and make an audible play, whereas Trevor Lawrence, he's still wet behind the ears. And I think, oh, yeah, that, of course. you know, he he needs to rely on his coach a little bit more because he's still learning the game yeah. and learning, learning the defense. And, you know, there are right, – so they're going to be in, you know, the zone flats or whatever it is. Yeah. He, he, he needs to be able to read that better. I think that there's a lot of room for growth. I think he has the talent, but I also think that he is not a coach on the field yet, if that makes sense. And that's where I was going with when, when comparing it to other quarterbacks, whereas, you know, they need, he needs to get more experience. I know that he's, you know, he's been a starter and he won two national championships, but I also noticed, though, a slight decline in how far they gotten into the college playoffs. And, yeah, you know, I think that – they, they almost lost to uh... – I think it was Boston College. They almost lost to Boston College this year, if you remember, early back in, like, I think October or so or November. I forget. Whenever Trevor Lawrence uh, – I think it was the first time that he had – they found out that he tested positive for COVID so he couldn't play, and they put their backup, Ugogale. I probably mispronounced his last name. But anyway, um, they almost – they were losing and they ended up coming back and winning. But like you said, yeah, they were sliding back. But, um, but yeah, um, and I think the other thing, too, is I feel that – the reason why we probably felt like Trevor Lawrence didn't play that well yesterday is because I feel like us, and it's not even on purpose or, you know, it's incidental. It's more of the fact that you see how great he is and we kind of put him on a pedestal, you know what I mean? And right. we are like, Oh, you know, this guy is, is great. You know, we only expect greatness. And, you know, if he makes a mistake, we're like, what the heck? But right. then you have to remember too is you have to remember too is right. One, he's like you said, he's still wet behind the ears in the sense of lack of experience. And I think too is guy's human. You know, guys are going to make mistakes. They're not going to be great every time around. That's what happens when you play a great team, you know, and sometimes you may play a team and they're not even that great, but they just have you on that day because you have an off day and they just happen to have an on day. Right. And but, that, but that, that also makes me concerned now for, for Trevor Lawrence. Now I know that players have good games. They have bad games. That happens. Yeah. Again, we're human. But when you get to the next level, I mean – you're supposed to be a professional and consistency is more, more important than anything in the world. Oh, of course. And you know, if you, if you can't go in every single day and show consistency over and over and over and over again, how, how long are you going to last in the NFL for? And that's what, that's I mean, what, that was probably my main concern about Trevor Lawrence. And I, yeah. And you'll, you'll have a, a great game, throw four, uh, four touchdown passes. And then you'll, you'll be like uh, the next very next day. He's like, where the hell did he go? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, the NFL, you know, I, I mean, I've heard people say before, and I'm sure you know what it stands for. It stands for not for long. So, right. So, but yeah, so moving, moving on. Right. So, uh, so uh, we said it was seven, nothing, you know, Trevor Lawrence punches in for a touchdown. Then um, the next drive, Ohio state runs it in with running back Trey Sermon. Now Trey Sermon, I, I didn't really hear too much about him. I saw him play at the big 10 championship. And I guess that, uh, Master Teague, who was their starter, starting running back in the year, I guess he must have gotten hurt because, you know, I didn't hear anything about him. So, like, who's this Trey Sermon guy? So, while I'm watching, and I, and I forget what school he went to, but he, he's a, he's a fifth-year senior. But, yeah, it was like – yesterday was like the day of, like, the running backs because not just Najee Harris had a great day, so did uh, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon ends up punching it in for a – a 32-yard touchdown run, and the thing is, Sean, you know, it just looked like Clemson, you're watching the replay, and they're moving back and forth, and it's like they're scratching their head not knowing, you know, what the heck to do. Their coverage was blown. They looked, they looked like they were lost there. So I think that um, I think that it just looked bad, and it kind of just from there, it kind of just set the tone. I mean, the next drive, you know, Travis Etienne runs for a three-yard touchdown pass, and it's 14-7 uh, Oh, uh, Clemson, but uh, your thoughts? Sorry, I got distracted. No, you're good. I got really distracted there. Uh, um, just uh, game face on, come on. All right. <laughs> all right, what was your question again? Uh, so, no, so I was saying your thoughts on 
because uh, then Trey Sermon runs for a 32-yard touchdown run, and literally he's untouched. Literally no one no one touched him. Right. You know, defense was very confused. Looked like they had no idea what they're doing on that coverage. It was literally the middle linebacker, I believe uh, James uh, Stalski. He's he's the uh, captain of the defense. Um, they're literally pointing in every single direction. You know, it looks like you know they were like a tourist. You know, going they were, to some they were really out of island. They were definitely out of oh, sorts. Yeah. Um, I think there was a miscommunication on the coverage uh, as far as uh, for that run to, to to have the hole that it did. Um, however, though, I think for Ohio State on that point on, they are they they're like, okay, well, we have this kind of game plan. This this is the defense that they're going to be running, uh, the style. But then we also have these middle uh, these linebackers who have a total miscommunication here, and you know they it, it was there was major exposure, especially on that that defensive front. And I think Ohio State ended up really uh, trying to force that more and put a lot more pressure on Clemson's defense to yeah. make that adjustment, and they just didn't. Yeah. So um, then the next then the next drive it's fourteen seven. Uh, Luke Farrell, uh, the tight end for Ohio State, catches a pass from Justin Fields, and it seems uh, from then on, Sean, the route was on because then from there, uh, Justin Fields finds tight end Jeremy Rucker for uh, for the seventeen uh, yard touchdown pass, finds Chris Olave, who's one of his top tight, top wide receivers, who uh, I believe he was hurt during the Big Ten championship game or sometime before that. So he, he was desperately missed and needed. And um, another touchdown pass to Jeremy Rucker. And then by that time, Sean, it's 35-14. You know, what, what's going in your mind at that point? You watching the game and then you're thinking, you know, I want to know what your thoughts of, you know, what you think, you know, was going through their minds. Ohio State's constantly, all right, so they're punching it in, they're punching it in, punching it in. Where's the answers from Clemson? And that, then that's where I'm like, I'm losing it. I'm like, all right, well, you know what? Here, here. I know that our defense is not um, – they're not performing well, but our offense needs to. They need, we need to answer or the momentum is, is, is good to constantly be shifting towards Ohio State. Um, yeah. And, and like we said back when we were talking about Notre Dame and Alabama, I mean, you, as you know your defense is not performing well, it's going to be, put, again, putting a lot of pressure on the offense. You know, and back to Clemson – when their offense wasn't performing, I or not performing because again, Trevor Lawrence still threw over 400 yards, you know, and you know that's not not performing. But however, though, as a quarterback, I would be more frustrated with the fact that hey, I'm getting all those yards, but I'm getting literally no nothing for it. Well, you're and, getting no help on defense. And let me ask you this because I did watch the game and I was like. I didn't know if it was necessarily targeting, but I don't know if you saw that play on James uh, Stolsky. Uh, it was a run by Justin Fields, and uh, he went right with the crown of his helmet to, like, the back, the lower back of Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields was down for a little while. I thought that at that point, watching it, I thought, you know, maybe uh, he might be out for the rest of the game. And, you know, Ohio State has a big lead, but, you know, the guy that's coming to back him up, they were saying he only completed, like, two passes in his whole college career, so – you're, you're thinking, you know, this might, this might turn around now. This might be the changing of the guards, the changing of the game here. But um, your thoughts on if you think that that was targeting. And then the other question too is, um, uh, do you think that changed the perplexion of the game, even though it was already, you know, uh, a disadvantage with the score? So that, that was a very controversial hit. And, you know, talking to a few people, um, they said, this was what they, they've said. Is it targeting the NFL? No, but it's targeting college. I, I, I don't – I go back and forth with everything. Um, I do think it was a dangerous hit. Uh, oh, yeah, without a doubt. However, though, I'm, I'm just it's – nature, It's the nature of the beast, right? I mean, you play in the NFL, right? You're going, guys are going to get hit. I mean, they've changed, they've changed uh, you know, penalties and calls and changed their rules for reasons, you know, so guys can, you know, stay healthy and, you know, not have, not have right. you know, career ending injuries. But you know what I'm saying though? Like it's the nature of the beast. You're going to get hit. And I also think though, it also, it also depends on what rep is there. Uh, I think that ha- uh, plays a big role because, you know, I think 
um, on any given day that could potentially be quote unquote a clean hit or at least yep. not a clean hit, but at least like a, a hit where it's, it's the, it's not being um, viewed as targeting. Um, yeah. But then you also have these new rules, these new things that are going on trying to protect the players. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm the ref and I don't call this a, um, a targeting, then I look like, I, I look like the person that's not trying to protect the players. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and no, that makes perfect know, sense. Do I think that it, you know, with losing fields is, was a huge uh, hit for Ohio state? Could you, you're putting in somebody that like potentially, oh, not potentially, but only through two passes or a complete okay. passes, I should say. You know, it, it, it puts big questions. Played in a blowout against Michi- Michigan State. So, I mean, Michigan State was awful this year. But even the lack of, you know, even the lack of, you know, okay, throwing two passes. Yes, you have a big lead, Sean. But the thing is, you're putting a, a young guy in there, unproven guy, on a big stage on a, you know, he's, the he's pressure, the pressure is going to get to him. I mean, the guy's human. He's not used to it. So, you, you're going to think this guy's going to crack. So, I mean, that's right. what, that's got to be running through your mind if you're, you know, inexperienced. I agree a hundred percent. And, and I mean, it, it just, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But, but you know, luckily, luckily fields came back and, and played Sean. That was a good sight to see. Cause you don't want to see anyone ever get hurt. Everyone so I mean, that's, really that's a good thing. He toughed it up and he came back in. So, I mean, you could tell he was still feeling the lingering pain of it after getting on the, on the exercise bike, you know, he was like, you could see from the sideline, he was cringing, but anyway, um, Getting back to it, uh, Trevor Lawrence then uh, threw a touchdown pass in the third quarter at the 7.56 mark to Cornell Powell for a 10-yard pass. Um, next drive. Um, hold on a second. I lost my, uh, lost my place. Um, not professionals here. We're just, you know, amateurs. Um, where was I? It was 35 to... Okay, um, 35 to 20, 21, right? And then uh, from there, Ohio State responds back, and uh, Justin Fields throws a touchdown pass to Chris Olave. And then um, after that, that made it um, 42 to 21, and then it ended up being another touchdown by Fields. So it was 49 to 28, and uh, honestly, I was just surprised. But, dude, Justin, Justin Fields, man, six touchdown passes, a whopping – 385 yards throwing and then one pick. It's just, it's just incredible. So I, I think that it's going to be a tough game. For you. Yeah. With, with that being said, I mean, do you, do you, would you put Fields up in, in a stronger candidate to be drafted over Trevor Lawrence? No way. Not, 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 no chance. I think that the thing is, is that um, Justin Fields is inconsistent for me, I think. And I think that even though, and we've seen it with all college guys, right? So they play really well, and it's very deceptive because there's a lot of guys that play well in college but mm-hmm. can't cut the mustard in the NFL. So I think without a doubt, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick. Fields, I don't know if he's going to be the second guy because there's a lot of talk of uh, Zach Wilson at BYU who had a really good year, and he's mobile as well. So... Um, I could and also don't forget Wilson about uh, Smith from Alabama. Well, Smith. Well, yeah, but that's that's wide receiver. I thought we were talking about quarterbacks here. Oh, but, uh, I, I didn't know if you were talking about quarterbacks or you know uh, overall just in, overall just oh, in general. Devont, Devontae Smith will be a top ten draft pick without a doubt. I don't know exactly right. where he'll go. It'll depend to see on uh, how the rest of the uh, NFL season plays out. But um, even like a guy like Trey Lance, North Dakota State. Uh, I was watching earlier this year. Um, I didn't see the game, but they played one game and he played like, you know, like Appalachian, not, I think it was Appalachian state and people are so high on him because of the year that he had last year. NFL GMs like love this guy. So I have a feeling, even though he's from North Dakota state, uh, he might get drafted early because of all the hype surrounding him. So I don't know where justice Fields is going to go. But if you ask me to predict, I would say probably a third rounder or, 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 or late second round because I think that other teams, there's some teams that have 
quarterback needs, but I don't think it is to that much of an extent. Um, I think that um, I think that a guy like uh, like Trey Lance. pretty good so next time we'll uh when we get a chance i think we should try to preview the national championship game get our thoughts about that and then um definitely dive into the nfl at some point so right on. all right man all right brother all right good talking to you good talking right. to you later